in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, Paul writing, he says, We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For God says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We give no offense to anything, that our ministry may not be blamed. But in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God, in much patience, in tribulations, in need, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fastings, by purity, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet not rejoice or yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. O Corinthians, O church, we have spoken openly to you. Our hearts, our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Now, in return for the same, I speak as to children, you also be open. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I'll receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Father, we have before us a passage, and I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us through it today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may sit down. I'm going to read it again in a different translation. It's a more modern version, New Living Translation. It's a very accurate text. Beginning in verse 1, you can follow along in your Bible. As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this mark. Actually, you don't even have to follow along in your Bible. Just listen to the words that are being spoken and ask yourself, does this speak to you at all? As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. We live in such a way that no one will stumble because of us and no one will find fault with our ministry. In everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. We've been beaten, been put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights and gone without food. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness by the Holy Spirit within us and by our sincere love. We faithfully preach the truth. 
God's power is working in us. We use the weapons of righteousness and the right hand for attack and the left hand for defense. We serve God whether people honor us or despise us, whether they slander us or praise us. We are honest, but they call us imposters. We're ignored even though we are well known. We live close to death, but we're still alive. We have been beaten, but we have not been killed. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, and yet we have everything. Oh, dear Corinthian friends, oh, church, we have spoken honestly with you and our hearts are open to you. There is no lack of love on our part, but you have withheld your love from us. I'm asking you to respond as if you were my own children. Open your hearts to us. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things. And I will come and I will welcome you. And I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. Interesting passage. Uh, we have here today. And as we do reflect on what this day is, Memorial Day, uh, we have to consider, even as we consider our passage today, why would these men do what they're doing? Why would they endure such hardships? Why would they endure what they're enduring? What keeps them going? What causes a soldier to continue to fight? What causes a soldier to run into, into harm's way when you know, everything in you would say, run the opposite way away from danger? Um, there's something deeper there. Memorial Day. The word memorial actually defined as something designed to preserve the memory of a person event, etc., as a monument or as a holiday, uh, or, or serving to preserve remembrance. Time magazine, they wrote and said, Memorial Day is a solemn day of remembrance for everyone who has died serving in the American Armed Forces. The holiday, originally known as Decoration Day, started after the Civil War to honor the Union and Confederate dead. In the years that following the Civil War, Memorial Day celebrations were scattered and perhaps unsurprisingly took root differently in the North and in the South. And it wasn't until World War II that the holiday gained a strong following and national identity and it wasn't officially named Memorial Day until 1967. The final event that cemented the modern culture of Memorial Day in America was in 1968 when Congress passed the Uniform Holiday Act designating Memorial Day as the last Monday in May rather than May 30th as it had previously been observed. 
I want you to hear this last statement. The, this ensured a three-day weekend and gave the day its current status as the unofficial beginning of summer, mixing serious reflection with more lighthearted fun. Did you hear that? Mixing serious reflection with more lighthearted fun. You know, in this country, we would do a disservice to this particular day if we simply looked upon the holiday as, as a three-day weekend to get away, to relax, to sleep in, maybe have a barbecue, etc. Whatever, it, you know, you fill in the blank there. However, on the other hand, I'm not upset with people celebrating their freedom in this country by doing something fun as long as there is a time of reflection on what this day actually stands for. And you know, I believe that all of our brave service members who have paid the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom would consider it a continuous victory over oppression as we remember their sacrifice and joyfully enjoy our freedom in whatever fashion we choose. It's the sacrifice of the brave and courageous that have given us this freedom, this actual opportunity to fire up a grill, hang out by the pool or the beach with our family and our friends instead of living and bowing to an oppressive government. It is what our fathers or our, our fallen fathers have given their they've given their lives and still put their lives even to this day the soldiers uh, on the line to give us the opportunity to enjoy freedom. I believe that the freedom that we enjoy and the fun that we have today. Don't be guilty if you're having a, a, a good time today. I believe that those who have fallen, if had, if given the opportunity or if they had the opportunity, if it was possible that they could come back and talk to us saying, hey, would you, are you upset that people have fun on, on Memorial Day and they have a big barbecue and the families get together and they laugh and they have a good time and they enjoy life? And I think knowing what they know now, knowing what they fought for then, I think there would be almost in a unanimous, absolutely, we love that they do that. Because every single time that we enjoy our freedom, it is once again a mark against those who would try to take it away. It's a mark saying, hey, we did our job. We didn't die in vain. Look, they're having fun. They're, they're enjoying life. They're enjoying what it is that we fought for. They're enjoying freedom. I think it's a great thing. And so I, I don't get down on people who have a great time, you know, on Memorial Day. I think it's, a, it's an honor to those who have fallen. You're doing what they fought for. We're doing what they fought for. Now, I'm not also not down on those who take this opportunity and say, you know what, I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to spend it by going to a, going to a cemetery. I don't know about you, but if if you ever have an opportunity to do it, and tomorrow if you have an opportunity to do it, take a trip out to or take a trip down here to the to the uh, uh, parade and and go there and and reflect. I I, I can't I have a, I can't I, I don't say I can't do I do do and I will do. But Veteran Day parades and Memorial Day parades, I cry in those things. I I, I am I am a you know patriotic, very patriotic in heart. When I see a soldier and, and, you know, I get the courage enough to go and shake their hand and, 
tell them that I'm, I appreciate what they've done for me. I can't do it without losing it. I, I always have a lump in my throat because they are giving everything for us. And I appreciate that. And I appreciate that. And they're willing to, to, to not be celebrated necessarily on Veterans Day, but to re- be remembered on Memorial Day. They're willing to be one of those who are being thanked from the grave. And, and, and so I would encourage you, if you've never done anything like this, hey, go on out to the Sarasota Military Seminary, uh, Cemetery out here. On, go out on Clark Road and just and, and go um, uh, east. And it's out there quite a ways. But it's out there maybe four miles, three, four, five miles out there. And it'll be on your right-hand side. You cannot miss it. There will be flags a-flying tomorrow. And probably today. They're flying out there today. Um, go out there and take a walk. And, and just reflect on your freedom. Uh, spend some time going out there and, 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 and walking around and just spending some quiet time. If you're a family, take your young kids out there. It's Memorial Day. Memorial means to preserve a memory to preserve a remembrance. Throughout history, we, we see that various Memorial Days events or structures uh, call a living person, a person who is still alive, to remember something so significant that the memory of whatever is being memorialized would never be forgotten. It could be a national call to remembrance of something significant. It could also be an individual or a family's call to remembrance of, of something significant. The Bible is filled with days, events, and and even stones. Stones, yes. To be set to remind people of something significant. The Bible talks about in Exodus chapter 3, it talks about God speaking with Moses. And as he's speaking with Moses, he he gives his name. And he says, uh, Moses, he says uh, in verse 13, of chapter 3, you don't have to turn there. I'm going to be running out of time if I have you turn to these passages. Uh, you can jot it down and look it up later and see if I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> okay, verse 13 of chapter 3 of Exodus. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me from the, to you. And they say, well, What's his name? Moses is questioning God. Hey, you're asking me to do this big thing. You're asking me to go to the children of Israel that are in bondage in Egypt. And you're asking me to go and do this, but what if they say, hey, hey, uh, who sent you? What shall I say to them? In verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And God said, thus you shall say to the children of, of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, listen, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. My memorial. His name is something to remember who God is. It's a a remembrance. It's a memorial to always remember that God is bigger than anything that you will ever encounter in life. 
your troubles that you encounter in life, the, the, the struggles, the anxiety, the difficulties, the shortfalls, the, the fights, or, or maybe the, 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 the pressure of, of life that it just comes upon your shoulders. Is there any way out? Is there anybody who can help me? And God says, I am. Who's powerful enough to help me with this? God says, I am. I am that I am. Oh, but are you powerful enough to, to, to get me out of this problem? I am. It's a memorial to you and I to remember that God is stronger and greater and bigger than anything that we are ever going to encounter in this life. The great I am. That is who God is. He's your great I am. And it's a memorial to you. It's always something to remember you, uh, to cause you and I to remember who God is. I am that I am. Tell them I am has sent me to you. I am. God is I am. In Exodus chapter 12, um, he goes on and, and he talks about uh, a Passover. You remember Passover? You remember in, in the Passover, there was a, I'm not going to read you all the verses that I, I had in here, but, um, you know, God is telling through Moses, he's telling the children of Israel, you know, hey, when you eat, you know, eat with your, with your clothes on and, and your running clothes on, put your Nikes on, you know, and, and be ready to go because when you eat this Passover lamb, it's going to be time to go. They're going to be pushing you out of, of Egypt. They're going to tell you to get out. They're going to give you the freedom to leave. You remember up to this time, uh, God had been trying to speak through Moses to Pharaoh to let his people go into the wilderness. And Pharaoh kept saying, who is this God that I'm going to obey him? And God, ten times with plagues, actually nine times up to this time, you know, nine times with plagues. And every time Pharaoh hardened his heart. And the thing is, is that this 10th time, God says, okay, I'm going to have you eat of the Passover lamb. Why do they call it a Passover lamb? Because he says in this passage, he says, I want you to take a lamb and I want you to kill the lamb. And it's an innocent lamb. You take that lamb, you take its blood, you take some hyssop. It's like a branch. It's kind of a scrub branch type of a thing. You dip it in the bowl of the blood and you tap it on each uh, doorpost's on each side, and then up on the top of the door, lintel, you hit it here, you hit it on the sides, and then you step back inside and you eat of the food that you are making. You eat that lamb, that cooked lamb. You eat it. The thing is, is that you stay indoors. Because here's the thing, the blood on the doorpost the blood on the lintel, which, by the way, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but think about the picture that is established with the hyssop filled with blood hitting a doorpost, hitting a doorpost, hitting the lintel, and then going back inside, you see the blood hitting the side, hitting the side, hitting the side, and hitting the side, and hitting the top, and then dripping down to the ground. It, it's a picture of a cross. You're hiding behind the cross of a blood, a blood-stained cross. And there you stay behind. And the angel of death is going to go through the camp. It's going to go through all of the land of Egypt. And those who are not behind the blood, the firstborn will be taken from every family. But if that angel of death 
passes by your door. He passes to, goes to your door, comes to your door, and sees the blood on the doorpost and on the lintel. He will pass over your house. Hence the word Passover. He'll pass over your house. And, and it said there in, in verse, uh, um, 16, 17, somewhere around there, uh, of saying, this will always be a memorial. It'll be a memorial. It'll be something that, uh, it'll be an ordinance for your children. Uh, from day after day, from generation to generation, uh, they will. It will always be a memorial to. I'm trying to read as I'm talking at the same time. Um, I didn't highlight my passage. Fourteen. Fourteen. Thank you. So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast of the Lord throughout your generations. Thank you so much. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. You shall keep it for seven days, da-da-da-da. And it goes on and it talks about, all the way down here, um, uh, it says that as you do this, and as time goes on, it shall be, verse 26, it shall be when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? That you shall say to them, it is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of in Egypt. And then you tell them the story. A memorial is there to pass on. It's there to remember. It's there to pass on from children to children, from generation to generation. An awesome remembrance of something. You think of, of Jesus, you know, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul talking, he says, you know, he says, listen, I receive from that, I receive from the Lord, verse 23, I receive from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus Christ on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in memorial or in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so it's, it's a memorial. It's a, it's a constant reminder. We're going to be taking communion here in just a second. It's a constant reminder. And so, what does this have to do with our passage here today? Here, here's, what, here's what it says. Here's, here's what I, I, I find in our passage. I'm going to detail the passage a little bit better as, as we move on, but not today, but in next week. But the, the thing is, is that we see Paul talking about who he is, what it is that they're enduring, all of the hardships that they're enduring. And you have to ask yourself this question. Why are you doing what you're doing? If your life is so hard, Paul, why do you continue to be shunned by the people? Why do you continue to, to go without food? Why do you constantly uh, you know, place yourself in danger and, and actually be stoned at times and be beaten and be imprisoned and do all of these? Why do you endure these things? And Paul would be saying, just as Jesus said, I do it for you. I'm doing it for you. You ask an American soldier, why are you going to war? You, you might die. And he goes, I'm doing it for the freedom of this country. I believe in our country. I believe in my family. I love my family. 
And so there is a love of a human being that does and goes to war and, and, and defends, you know, our country. There's a lot of people that, that you know, uh, enlisted after September 11th of 2001 because they're going, hey, wait a minute, time out. This is not happening on my watch. No way. I'm going to enlist. I'm going to go into the military. I'm going to fight this evil that is there. And there are many servicemen that are in the military today because of an attack that came down upon the United States of America. Here's the thing, guys. They fought for something. Paul is fighting for something. Why are you doing what you're doing? Jesus, you went to the cross. Why would you go to the cross? Why would you do what you did? The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter uh, 12, doesn't it? Hebrews chapter 12. Encouraging us first, but showing us why we are doing what we're doing because we're doing what Christ has done. The writer says, hey, therefore, being surrounded, you know, seeing that we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses that we just read about in chapter 11, all the, those people who died for God. They gave of themselves. We're memorializing. If you look back at chapter 11 of Hebrews, you would find that that's a memorial chapter. It's a constant reminder of these who died and were willing to die for God. Why would they do it? Because they were looking forward to a promise from God and they were willing to sacrifice their lives. Last week I talked to you about being an ambassador. You're an ambassador of something or of someone. But I challenge you this week, what are you willing to die for? What are you willing to live for and die for? Paul is laying it out right here. He's going, hey guys, we're not dead yet. They've tried to kill us many times. Paul will go on, you know, in a few different passages talking about, hey, how many times I've been whipped? How many times I've been shipwrecked? How many times I've been naked? How many times I've been beaten? I was even stoned one time. Not modern day stone, but actual getting hit with the rocks and beaten down and killed. And God revived his life. I believe that talks about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll get to it here soon. I know a man who 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know if I was alive or dead or I was something, but he was caught up into the third heaven, man. And he saw things that were inexplainable. It's unlawful for me to even tell you what it is that I saw in heaven. And a boast of that man. Here's the thing. I'm willing to live my life and I'm willing to lay my life down just so somebody might hear the gospel. So someone might experience freedom. Not just freedom from a government, but freedom that is the ultimate freedom of all freedoms. You see, our soldiers go and put themselves in harm's way to give you and I a temporary freedom. A freedom here in this country. A freedom that we can do what we're doing right now. Freely open a Bible without worrying that a police officer is going to come in here or a band of police officers is going to come in here and haul all of us off to jail. Possibly even kill some of us. Now, which would happen in many parts of the world? I don't have that fear today. I don't know. Does anybody have that fear today in here? Afraid that somebody's going to come in here and rip you out of here because you have an open Bible? None of us do. Why? Because men and women laid their lives down for you to have this freedom. 
this sense of security. But again, it's only temporary, guys. This is something that, that is freedom in the here and the now, but you know what? This is not lasting. It's not a lasting freedom. But there is a freedom that comes to you and to anyone, to you and I and anyone who would call upon the name of the Lord, that you might be free of hell. You might be free of sin and shame and brokenness and, and, and separation from God. And it's because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. I remember the death of our soldiers. And I pay honor to them, even this day. But I remember the death of my Jesus. And I honor him today too. But what's awesome about that is that he didn't stay dead. He didn't stay dead. He was rebellious that way. You know, I'm not going to stay dead. I'm going to show you that I'm more powerful than death even. Kind of takes us back to what God said to Moses, huh? I'm dying, Lord. Who's, who's powerful enough to keep me from death? And God says, I am. And Jesus says, I am. He said in John chapter 8, verse 58, before Abraham was, I am. He declared himself the great I am himself. Jesus himself said, I am. I'm God. He died for me. He died for you. He died for us to set us free. And he rose again, thus putting the seal upon our freedom. Why did they do it? As I was saying there in Hebrews chapter 12, let us lay aside every weight and sin. We're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses that died before us. And so what is our job today Today to do? Well, then let us, as we consider those who have gone on and died, as we've done here today, let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily ensnares us or slows us down. And then he gives us the next uh, position or, or, or uh, instruction. He says, and then look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him. He despised the shame. He endured the cross. He despised the shame. And right now he sits down at the right hand of the Father. The joy that was set before him was you and I. Why did he go to battle? Why did he go to battle on the cross? Because he had a joy that was set before him. There was a freedom. There was a, a, an ultimate freedom that he went there. That he hung to the cross the freedom that he wanted to grant to you and I. And that's what this is all about, gang. We remember Jesus for dying on a cross for us. We remember Jesus for rising from the dead for us. Gang, this Memorial Day, yes, honor the soldiers with sincerity. But this Memorial Day, honor the Lord who gave you the ultimate freedom that will never pass away. Jesus Christ, he died for you. He sacrificed himself for you and for me. Why did the disciples endure such things? He says, because you know what? It's for the Lord. It's what I see that can happen in your life. 
It's I want you to experience the freedom that we have and that's afforded to all that would come to know the Lord. Don't wait. Today is the day of salvation. Don't wait. Today's the day of salvation. Why would you hold off of ultimate freedom for tomorrow, what you can gain today? And that's what he's talking about there. In an acceptable time, I've heard you. And in the day of salvation, I've helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. If you're not saved here today, you can simply open your heart to Christ. Recognize that he went to the cross for you. He went into the battlefield of hell. And he secured your salvation. A freedom that is far greater than any soldier can ever give to you or offer you. Not to make light of the soldiers, the freedom that we have because of our soldiers. I honor them. But the freedom that is offered to you through Jesus Christ is far greater than anything that this world can offer you. Anything that our government can offer you. Anything that our armed services, armed forces could offer you. It's the greatest thing. Do you have that freedom?